We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Good morning, everyone. Welcome back. NFL football season 2021. The wait is finally over. You're tuned into the NFL Food for Thought podcast right here on Roto Grinders. I'm Justin Carlucci, if you don't know me by now, and I am joined by my co-host, Will Priester. What's going on, man? How are you? I'm good, man. First of all, this ain't your mama's podcast. So if you're here for analytics, Go ahead and shut the door now. This podcast is all about football, food, fun, and it's a first look podcast. Food for thought, coming in hot, NFL football season 2021. So excited. You got two future Millie makers or Millie winners on the line right now. I'm calling it ahead of time. Two future 2021 Millie maker winners. Super excited, man. Let, let's get cracking here. Let, let's get cracking. Hot takes from the gate. I mean, we're setting the bar sky high, but I, I like it. Coming in hot. You know, if you're new to tuning into these podcasts, Will and myself have done a lot of NBA work together, but it's awesome to jump on and talk some NFL. We'll be with you every week. And we have a loaded lineup at Roto Grinders for media content, written content. There's a show for everything. Showdown shows. The whole nine yards, no pun intended. And there will be some analytics on here. We're going to analyze some stuff from week to week. Take a look back at the previous week. Look ahead to what's going on. We'll take some Q&A from Twitter during the season. We'll probably drop some bets in here. And uh, we'll talk about some craziness that's going on in our lives as well. But first of all, Will Priester, for those who don't know you, tell everybody a little bit about yourself, You know what you do at RG, and how did you get into playing fantasy football? I want to go way back. How did you get involved from the get-go? So, uh, you know, clearly I've been playing a, a good while. I'm going to start with how I got into it, because I think that's a really big thing. Um, this is when I was actually living in Charlotte, North Carolina, or near Charlotte, North Carolina. Um, I started in season long, just like everybody else. And uh, DFS was not very popular at that particular time, but started a season long on Yahoo and ESPN. And I was working with these guys and not working with them, but I had some friends that worked for a payroll company called ADP. And uh, I was in a league with them. I was in a league with a couple other people. And so that's kind of how I got into it. And, um, you know, I got really good at season long. And then one day, I started seeing all these commercials and this is when there was the big media push for DraftKings, FanDuel. And, but most people don't know this. I actually started on DraftKings Uh, and I kind of got started there. And then I kind of migrated to FanDuel. No, no. I migrated to Fantasy Aces and I was having a ton of success on Fantasy Aces. And then I kind of hopped on FanDuel and FanDuel seemed to be more my speed. And uh, I remember I had a couple grand on Fantasy Aces, like four or five thousand, something like that. And I remember putting in a request to take out my bankroll because I was doing so well on FanDuel. 
I said, I'm going to put everything on FanDuel. Like, there's no, like, I'm, I'm, I'm just becoming so successful. The prize pools were bigger. Like, Fantasy Aces wasn't huge. Wasn't the smallest, but wasn't the biggest. And so I migrated my whole bankroll to FanDuel. Guess what, Luch? About a week or two later, you got a notification that Fantasy Aces was, was bankrupt. And I tell everybody this story. If I wouldn't have had my four or $5,000 in bankroll that I was able to roll over to FanDuel, I don't know how my DFS career would have gone because I had to, I would have had to kind of start all the way back over. So I just, you know, now that I'm thinking back on it, man, I just took that as a sign that I'm supposed to do this. And uh, I, I took it and ran with it. And uh, lo and behold, here we are today, still chugging along. Uh, shout out to DB for uh, t- taking a shot on me because, you know, no one knew me in the industry at the time. And so I kind of popped out of nowhere and, um, you know, met DB at a live final and the rest was kind of history, man. Started working at, at RG and-, and it's been a blessing. So that's my story in-, in its most miniature form. That's pretty funny. And uh, I was at the uh, was 2017 FanDuel NBA live final and, and DB was there and-, and DB doesn't even know this, but I'm like, Who's that guy rolling around with the camera interviewing people? I was like, I, I want to talk to this guy. Didn't get interviewed by DB in Miami at that final. I was a little heartbroken, but lo and behold, it's cool to be a part of the Roto Grinders team now. And uh, love the team we have here. So it's going to be a fun season. Um, you do a lot of stuff uh, with prize picks too. If anybody here plays prize picks, that's right in Will's wheelhouse. Will's wheelhouse. That might be a good segment name for something. But you do a weekly video for RG with prize picks. Is that right? I do. I do. And it's been for MLB. Uh, spoiler alert, might be for NFL this week. We'll see. Awesome stuff, man. You know, I've been playing fantasy sports for a really long time, like second grade type stuff. And then when I was a little bit older, there was actually this website. I don't even know how I came across it. It was called Youth Fantasy Football. Some guy ran it. I don't remember his name, but there was a site of fantasy leagues for people of different age groups. And this was like, I was probably like 12. And, you know, this is when people had hotmail and AOL.com emails. And like, that's how you communicated. Um, But it was hosted on my fantasy league, like the same, uh, same server, but that website doesn't exist anymore. So it's just crazy how weird of a concept that is now, you know, somehow playing against people your age. They don't even know, but that, you know, I was hooked. And uh, here I am, you know, I started grinding cash games uh, when they were more relevant, you know, 2015-ish um, on FanDuel and uh, just kind of transformed into a tournament player. And uh, we're going to break down a lot of daily fantasy sports. So that, that's our background, and uh, we have a lot of fun on this show. So um, we will talk about some food at the end. If you're with us during NBA season, we're big foodies here. We love hearing about your favorite restaurants, local spots, you know, what you eat on game days, et cetera. You know, tweet at us your favorites. We want to hear What's good? We like to travel, we like to eat, and we want to try some stuff out. So we always talk about food on these shows, too. So um, we have a couple segments we're going to bring to you every week. And the first one, which is kind of what we segued into, um, is called Story Time. So we thought it'd be cool to just, I feel like, I feel like I'm in a constant Seinfeld episode or uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm where just the craziest stuff happens to me. I feel like I'm part of some kind of sitcom from day to day. So story time, Will Priester, since last time we talked, what do you want to talk about? What's going on in your life? Anything crazy? Well, look, I'm actually going to whisper this because I don't want anybody to hear me. So this is going to be really exciting. But my girlfriend is turning 40 years old and I'm planning a really extravagant 40th birthday party for her. And she has no idea that it's happening whatsoever so I have to do all these things when she goes to work during the day and so because of COVID she only goes into the office twice a week so I only get two clear days to try to get this stuff done and so it's been fantastic I've been in contact with a lot of her friends uh, and some family members and stuff like that and so uh, her birthday's in October so I've been trying to plan it along and along. We're going to go to a really nice steakhouse downtown Charleston, South Carolina. It's a fantastic steakhouse, by the way, a Brazilian steakhouse to be specifically. And so I thought it would be good to kick off story time with a whisper. 
because uh, I really I need to tell somebody about it. So I figured I'd tell the world. And the secret is she doesn't listen to this podcast. So I hope she doesn't get ambitious and try to figure out what I'm talking about on this podcast. because if so, it's going to spoil it. I'm not telling you her name, so you can't reach out to her and spoil it for me. But this is going to be fantastic. Let's get it. Does she does she have Twitter? Not she does, but she's not really on this. She's more of an Instagram person. Okay. So if they got any, if anyone has any pro tips on how the hell to pull this thing off, they can DM you and give you some tips on how to pull this surprise party off. Yeah, just just DM me. And I and so here's the funny part. I almost thought she was going to find out because some of our friends are having a birthday party for, um, uh, well, one of her friend's husband's birthday is a week before hers, and she's having a party, and they've already told us about it, but I've already told them about the party. Well, my birthday was September 1st, and she invited them to a surprise party for me, so it was so interesting because they were at the party, but they know about her party. So anyway, it's just, it's, it's been insane trying to keep this under wraps. So uh, I feel better already. This was therapeutic. Story time is going to be therapeutic. We're here for you. Will. we're here for you. Yes. Yes. We will take notes. We will comfort you. You're going into week one with a big secret being kept from her, but not to us. So you, you know, hope hope you got a little bit off your chest here. Um, My, my story time is, uh, Well, it's just one of those situations where I said, I can't make this stuff up. So uh, my girlfriend has a, a six-year-old. Well, I guess I kind of inherited him. He's kind of my inherited son now. He's six. Finally getting interest in football. So he's kind of doing flag football. Last week, it was really hot out here in Pennsylvania. And I was thinking, if there's any week he's going to quit or complain or not want to play football, it's during this 95-degree heat. And he's got, you know, an hour and a half long practice. Yeah. Things were going pretty good. And then like the middle of the practice he comes over to the sideline bawling his eyes out and i'm like oh man i'm like what's going on he was like you know doing those things where he, he just couldn't put the you know if you have kids like when they're really upset they just they can't use their words and they start stuttering so he thought he crapped his pants so i'm like oh man this was like the i was not prepared for that are you kidding me I have a water bottle and like i don't know extra clothes so we go to the porter body and he didn't he he kind of just had some gas I'm like, how don't you know the difference, buddy, between if you're laying in or not? So he was fine. Talk about a quick heart attack. Like, did not expect for that at practice. But, hey, expect the unexpected. And uh, <gasps> I guess in uh, GPP terms, that was the most contrarian thing that probably could have happened to me at a six-year-old's football practice. So crisis avoided. And um, I'm now going to peewee football with an extra set of clothes in the SUV. <laughs> so, man. Anyway. Story time, ladies Story and gentlemen. Time. You guys, you've anything, been warned. You got anything going on in your lives like that? Relatable. <laughs> Feel free to share. And we'll Come sit on our out. virtual couch. We will yeah, help you for sure. So, listen. Our next segment is where we're going to typically like to review what happened the previous week and talk about some important things that we're going to call elephant in the room. But since it's week one, we're just going to go over some key situations. The DraftKings and FanDuel pricings have been out for a really long time. And there's just some things we have to address as the elephant in the room. So there's some very important things in terms of what has been happening in preseason, a lot of injuries, people, players in new teams in different situations. So Chief Justice, tell me, what's your first elephant in the room? What do we need to discuss? I think we need to discuss Mac Jones, who clearly nobody expected to start week one. And he's coming in at 4,400. And I, I don't know how good I feel about it, but he's 4,400. He, I mean, he's got some weapons. Uh, Sony Michelle is gone. They've got some tight ends now. They've got serviceable receivers. What in the world are we going to do with the Patriots at home with all these cheap price tags? Like that, we're not used to seeing the Patriots with these types of price tags. Now, last year we saw it, I know. But I'm saying overall, in the grand scheme of things, what have we been used to? Tom Brady in the 6K range, Julian Edelman in the 7K range, Gronk in the, you know, mid five to 6K range. Something, you know, sometimes in the sevens when it was like, you know, just, just, you know, old school Gronk, just catching two touchdown passes every game. But this ain't, and you, God, you guys are probably going to hear this a lot. 
this ain't your mama's Patriots. This is a totally different team now. And I was watching something today. This is the first true rookie starter that the Patriots have had since Bill Belichick has been or had the reins over the team. First true rookie starter. I'm in a conundrum here. Mac Jones is very cheap. As it stands right now, we've got him at 40% ownership. And this is early in the week. You guys know in football how I feel about these type things. Is this going to be good or bad chalk? Because he's the only person. Oh, I said 40. I'm sorry. 7.4%. Uh, we're kicking this thing off real good. If he was 40% automatic fee. But 7.4%. I really got to get a good read on this Mac Jones situation. I mean, they've got Aguilar, Myers, Bourne, John Lou Smith, Hunter Henry, I need to figure out what to do because I think this is a this is a pivotal spot. I do know that the Miami Dolphins defense was really good, you know, or pretty good over the past, you know, over the last season. But I think things are different now. Um, and I'm going to shut up in a second, Luce. But one more elephant in the room I'm going to throw into this pot of goodness. Fans are back. This isn't some quiet white noise stadium anymore, right? The fans are going to be back. It's going to be problematic, I think, for some of these teams and even for the players to just kind of get back adjusted to real football for them. You know, I watched some college games over the weekend and I saw some things that were problematic. And I think some of it is they're back in what what would be their norm. So last year they kind of went into this new norm where there's barely anybody at the games. They've got white noise. It's quiet and it's more like uh, professional practice football. Well, this year we're back. Fans are going to be screaming. It's going to be loud. You know, they might not be able to hear all the play calls. And and I, so I think when with week one, we might have to see some of that. Anyway, I'm going to shut up. I know I hauled the mic here. Let's talk about these cheap patrons. Yeah. You know, I think you kind of laid it out. And as you were talking about all these cheap pieces, it kind of painted a clearer picture in my head. That if I'm single entering, I'm probably not playing more than one of these guys in my lineups just because I don't know where the ball's going. I don't know who Mac Jones is really going to lock in on. The Dolphins defense is pretty good. But if you're 150 maxing, and by the way, check out Roto Grinders lineup HQ for all you new users with great projections. The blitz is fantastic. Our ownership projections are top notch. Those are integral tools you need to succeed lineup HQ at Roto Grinders. And um, we'll talk about these ownership projections and that's where you can find them and they will change and update throughout the week. But um, since it's such a big slate, there's a lot of spread out ownership. Now, if Hunter Henry was going to hypothetically not play, I would be very much so interested in Johnny Smith. It does look like Hunter Henry is going to play. So I, I'm kind of pumping the brakes on both of them. I, I'm most and like Miami's defense is good. I'm most excited for the value of these running backs. I actually took a couple Damian Harris shares before the news and everybody on Twitter was all over him. Just hoping, just hoping that Mac Jones would win the job. I didn't expect Cam Newton to get cut because he can't even come and play in some sub packages anymore. But he stole an enormous amount of goal line work from Damian Harris. And the guy who doesn't catch passes out of the backfield is like a third of his value. Damian Harris is a clear cut goal line work guy. I don't care about, you know, Ramondre Stevenson just yet, maybe in five or six weeks, if this thing goes south in a hurry. Okay. But the Patriots made a point to get Harris very much so involved last year. They wanted to give him the ball and he had a good amount of work but he's not getting the attention or the ADP that he should have because Cam Newton had what? I don't know off the top of my head. I don't remember the number 75% of the goal line work. You know, that's a big, you know, Mac Jones, as far as we both could probably guess is not going to be doing damage with his legs around the goal line. So I, I don't know. I mean, Damian Harris is super cheap this week. If he has a good game, he might be some of the cheapest he will be all season, but we have to talk about the future. If you, for some reason or whatever, or you're, playing a ton of lineups, think Miami's going to play with a lead? Well, James White is very much so in play on just about anything, right? This guy is going to be back in play because Cam Newton didn't check the ball down. You know, give me a rebuttal. Talk to me about, you know, your opinion on these cheap pieces now that we had a little bit of a conversation. Yeah, I mean, I, I just think it's week one. Anything can happen. Uh, is the magic back in New England, Right. They had a lot of guys sit out for COVID. I definitely think their defense is going to be better. 
Um, we're going to see if Mac Jones uh, can push this ball down the field. And what I mean by push the ball is move the change because I'm not expecting him to have a whole lot of deep throws. I'm expecting him to, you know, and I'm, not, I'm also not expecting him to game manage. I'm expecting him to make good throws, good intermediate throws, and not turn the ball over, at least in terms of how the Patriots were used to playing. I also understand that this guy is a rookie and uh, mistakes will be made, right? D- he's going to get confused by defensive coverages. So uh, I-, I may take a wait and see approach. It's just, I think this was kind of the one big, when I say misprice, it wasn't a misprice. I just think it was the one big price that's going to move the needle because no one expected him to start till he's coming in at 4,400. If we knew he was a starter from the beginning, I think he would have been at least 5K, 5,200, something like that, right? So that that's what I think in terms of, you know, that that's kind of my elephant in the room. I, I've got one more for elephant in the room this week, but that, that, that was my one big one. Okay, I'll give you one, and then we'll get to your other one. Uh, and I have a couple, but for me is I'm looking at this Jacksonville-Houston game, Ooh. and finally Lawrence was named the starter. Just a weird sequence where the Jags cut bait with Gardner Minshew and shipped them off to Philly and Tyrod Taylor was finally named the starter for the Texans these are two teams where there are a lot of cheap pieces at these skill positions as well Tyrod Taylor might not exactly move the needle in terms of wow I really want to get some of his pass catchers but you have Brandon Cooks at 5300 who we currently have projected on DraftKings at less than one percent ownership I will be having some Brandon Cooks in the Millie. I, I mean, it's not hard to go overweight when a guy's less than 1% projected owned. Yeah. But, you know, look at who's going to be, who's going to demand work there? Nico Collins, 3,600, right? They made a deal for Anthony Miller, who oftentimes was a favorite showdown target of many people. And he broke the hearts of all of us week after week in Chicago. <laughs> you week know? after week, week after, after week. week. And, these guys are, I can't fault you for throwing darts at them. But on the flip side, on the flip side with Jacksonville, how, how healthy is Marvin Jones? Because 3,600 is egregious, it's insulting, and we know Marvin Jones has a killer upside. These are two bad defenses, Chief, but you still have DJ Chark. You have Chenault, who are both fairly priced. The thing is, I'm not playing, I'm, I don't plan on having jaguars or texans stacks in my build as of right now so i don't want a ton of them in my builds but i want exposure to them wow 3600 for marvin jones i know he was dealing with a shoulder thing but i really like that price tag i don't mind running marvin jones and then maybe a brandon cooks correlation kind of in a a one one right there so i'm looking at that game kind of how you said there's a lot of cheap pieces across the board there's cheap pieces in new england but these are two bad teams which could turn out into a shootout and I think, you know, it needs to be talked about a little bit here. I'm going to go ahead and take this show off the rails right now. Oh, baby. I, I will be fully stacking the Jacksonville Jaguars on this slate every which way that I can. And I know I've talked about this a lot on a couple other uh, shows, a couple other outlets. But I, I tell everybody how I, how I build my lineups for, for football. I hand build about 50 teams. And then I use lineup HQ for my other, let's say, 100 teams. This is how I'm going to stack the Jaguars. I'm going to tell you exactly what I'm going to do. Trevor Lawrence, DJ Chart. Trevor Lawrence, Marvin Jones. Trevor Lawrence, LaVisca Chenault. Trevor Lawrence, DJ Chart, Marvin Jones. Trevor Lawrence, DJ Chart, LaVisca Chenault. Trevor Lawrence, uh, Marvin Jones, LaVisca Chenault. And then I'm going to come back in and I'm going to put Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson. And then I'm going to put Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, DJ Chark. Trevor Lawrence, James Robinson, Marvin Jones. You see, I'm, I'm literally going to stack up Jacksonville because, yeah, while Jacksonville may not be great, Houston is just awful. And I'm talking about defensively. So I'm fully going to stack Jacksonville on this slate as many ways as I can. And I'm going to live with the result because that'll be maybe 10 lineups or 12 lineups out of my 50 that I use. And uh, that that's what I'm going to do. I mean, look, I know we want the best talent on the field and Trevor Lawrence is probably the future of this team, but we saw James Robinson was almost a man amongst boys 
with marginally reasonable matchups. You're telling me we get him against Houston in a dome against a bad defense? I mean, this, this smells like 100 yards and two touchdowns for James Robinson. Like, right out of the gate. Just right out of the gate. You want to get a win? You want to protect your quarterback? You, you know what I'm saying? He doesn't have to throw for 300 yards in this spot. They just want to get a win. Because, <laughs> by the way, last thing, Luch. Sorry about this. First pod, folks, give us a little time. We're getting our mojo. The Jacksonville Jaguars have one of the toughest schedules in football. They better win this game because winning is going to be very slim to none this season. I'll read this off, Luch, and then I'm going to hand it to you. Right out of the gate, Jacksonville Jaguars versus the Texans, right? Okay? Versus the Broncos, versus the Cardinals, versus the Bengals. Versus the Titans, the Dolphins, the Seahawks, the Bills, the Colts, the 49ers, the Falcons, the Rams, the Titans, the Texans, the Jets, the Patriots, the Jaguars. This is not an easy schedule. They're going to be in trouble right out of the gate. They better win this game or Trevor Lawrence may go 0-16. All right, I'm done. <laughs> no, You know what? I, I know I'm glad we're on the same page here because we're going to talk about a couple other games we like and we both like pieces from this game clearly and it'll be fairly contrarian. It's just such a big slate. I don't know if I have the cojones to full stack it, but I definitely am going to have some little game stacks, you know, like a Lawrence, a DJ Chark, and then a Cooks or a Nico Collins. I don't know. I'm going to throw some large field darts like that. And listen, DJ Chark is healthy. Let's not forget how good this guy is. Like, I feel like he's one of the guys that was kind of lost in the sauce. And, you know, bringing Marvin Jones, who just kind of is a veteran who gets it done. He has these splash games every once in a while. Um on the flip side, we know it's the first week. We know fans are back. While I'm not overly intimidated at, at, at you know Houston, you know, home field Houston right now, it is it is Lawrence's first game. So I think it's going to be very telling on where he is in terms of development and you know what we can talk about. But he's fairly priced, and so is everybody else in this game. The Texans backfield is a mess, but I do really like John Rob or John Robinson. That's the Titans GM, James Robinson, as well. So uh, I'm, I'm with you on there. Um, what is your other elephant in the room you want to talk about? What are we going to do with all of these 3K wide receivers? These cheap rookies that look to have prominent roles in their uh, respective offenses. One I think that jumps off the page to me is in, uh, in a game of my beloved Carolina Panthers. What are they going to do with Elijah Moore at 3K? Like, the, I mean, it, it seems like he's going to have a prominent role. We scroll down to Detroit. Yeah, SOL, same old Lions. I know. But Amon Ross St. Brown is 3K. He looked really good in preseason. Are they going to use him uh, the way that they should, right? These, there's, all, there's all this weird collection of guys. Uh, our good friend in, in the, with the Saints, Michael Thomas, went out. So Marquez Calloway is 3,400. He's got a big, big ownership projection of 32 and a half right out of the gate. Like, th- there's a lot of that, and, and that, there's a, so much of that, I think, this season, seeing so many cheap ones. Jalen Waddle, 3,600 right out of the gate. So that's what I'm saying. Th- th- this whole collection of 3K wide receivers, Paris Campbell is back yeah. at 3,700. Terrence uh, Marshall. Yes. Yeah, that, that's what I'm saying. Th- they're everywhere. Uh, Jamar Chase was priced up, as you can see. D.D. Westbrook is the third wheel in Minnesota, coming over from the Jaguars. Can't stay healthy, but he's 3K. Um, Chris Conley, Anthony Miller. I know we already talked about those. Marvin Jones. We've got such a huge variety of 3K guys this season. I mean, just to kick the year off, that are actually really good. Watch this. Rondale Moore's 3K in Arizona. And he's the gadget guy. They're going to use him like they did in Purdue. Get him all over the field. Give him some end arounds. Give him some, you know, wide receiver screens. Just use him. Bro, the, the 3K wide receivers are ridiculous. Now, now clearly, you don't need to play, play them over Calvin Ridley. But in terms of complementary pieces to your bills, there's such a plethora of 3K wide receivers this year. What are we going to do here? It's insane. Well, let's let's do this. Give me two or three of your favorites out of the guys you rattled off. Now, I know 
is lineup dependent and you want to correlate some stuff. But in terms of, you know, raw points and upside, do you have any favorites? Like, I would say the Moore brothers. Give me Elijah Moore. Give me Rondale Moore. Because I think they're going to use those guys. Like, Rondale's getting used in an interesting way, right? Because he's they're going to use him kind of like a gadget guy. And he's not just a gadget guy. But I'm saying they're going to find ways to get the ball in his hands. Like, I think he'll probably get five or six touches in this game, right? In a variety of ways. And then in terms of Elijah Moore, kind of a slot guy, you know, especially if Jamison Crowder is out. Like, we don't know if he's going to play. We're still waiting on that. But especially if Elijah Moore is out. I mean, if, if Jamison Crowder is out, Elijah Moore might be electric in this game uh, like he was at Ole Miss. So those are some things. And then I think, for me, I think Amon Ross St. Brown is my sleeper. I know they're facing San Francisco. I mean, I know you said three, but St. Brown is like my sleeper that I think no one will just think about, but he's got just as much upside as any of them. There are a lot of guys with upside in this price range, a lot of value, a lot of stars and scrubs bills are going to work. Oh, uh, one other quick thing, Luch, and yep. I, if you notice, I kind of just gave you rookies because clearly Marvin Jones is probably like one of the plays at 3,600. Like, what are we doing? All right, I'm done now. No, you're absolutely right. <clears throat> you're absolutely right. There's a lot of talent. You know, Callaway is going to be heavily owned. We got him projected at 32% right now in DK, which is going to be interesting. He might have a battle with Jerry Alexander. That'll be fun to watch. But, you know, there's a lot of mouths to feed in New York, and I just don't – I'm not clear on where Elijah Moore is in that pecking order right now. Jamison Crowder's availability is going to be huge. You nailed that. This kind of leads into one of my elephants in the room. It's almost, you know, three weeks ago, it was almost an eternity with the way NFL news breaks. And we're kind of not talking about the Colts and and what's going on in Indy with all the injuries they've dealt with. And then the COVID, they luckily get a home game against Seattle. It'd be interesting if they had to go into Seattle with all of the incidents they've dealt with. But they have a home game. This Seattle defense was pretty good against the run, was not good against the pass. They actually gave up the third most passing yards per game. So I'm not saying I want to go in here and stack Carson Wentz, but T.Y. Hilton's not playing. Michael Pittman, what are we doing here? 4,100, a legitimate breakout candidate this season. Seattle is not good against the pass whatsoever, and he is carrying about 70% ownership, which is fine. But you also mentioned Paris Campbell. I like both of these plays a lot. I'm not playing them together, but I don't mind going here as kind of a cheap dart throw. It looks like Pittman's carrying the ownership up too, but Paris Campbell is a jet. That guy can fly. And if he didn't have an unfortunate, you know, terrible injury, we'd probably be talking about him a lot more heading into 2021. Another forgotten name, Paris Campbell. Wow. Um, he is one of my favorite large field tournament options, I think. But we're going to have a lot of uh, a lot better of an idea when we get to see some of these snap counts heading into week two with a lot of these rookies that you talked about. The other big thing I want to bring up, the other elephant in the room is, it's a Sam Darnold revenge game for the guy they drafted to replace him. And it's Robbie Anderson revenge game city as well. So Carolina actually has a team total over 25, Chief. And we just talked about Elijah Moore on the other side. I mean, what can Sam Darnold do? Obviously, you have a healthy Christian McCaffrey. So I'm curious, you know, what are you doing with the Panthers? What are you doing, you know, Christian McCaffrey? Is he your top option at running back on this slate? Like raw points, does he score the most in your opinion? Here's what I think you do this week. And, and I'm not kidding, right? We, we, we would say this a couple of years ago, Luke. And uh, I, I think I think Levitan and the crew would say this stuff, and, and I could be wrong in how it originated, but it was team jam them in. I think with all the value we have at wide receiver this week, there's definitely going to be some team jam them in lineups, and Christian McCaffrey is definitely on that list. Now, he's 9,500, but I'm going to tell you right now, I don't think I'm going to have a quarterback pass uh, more expensive than Trevor Lawrence this week. All my quarterbacks are going to be mostly in the 5K range, mostly, right? So I'm all in. 
The Panthers are another team, and I, I know we'll get to it in our next segment, but I'm going to be fully stacking the Panthers in this spot. Uh, this isn't a hot take. I, I don't want anybody to think this is a hot take. I think Sam Darnold goes for 303 this week. I really do. And I, I, and I don't, this isn't a hot take. I, I want to I make that clear. I'm expecting Darnold to go for 303 this week, and not even because it's revenge. I think this is a renewed system, and he's got the weapons, and he's got a better coaching staff. Brady is going to have him ready to go. Uh, Matt Rule is going to have this team playing inspired football. Darnold, McCaffrey, Moore, Anderson, this is the most weapons he's had his, since, since USC. And that's not a joke. Like, what, what has he had to deal with since he's been in the league? Jamison Crowder, and basically that's it. They tried the Le'Veon Bell experiment. That didn't work. They can't get their tight end room right. Everybody thought Chris Herndon was going to be some elite play, and they just – the coach I, – I don't know what's going on over there. You it's just the, awful. You missed the elephant of your elephant in the room. He had Adam Gase. What else do you have to say? Well, no, no, clearly, clearly, clearly. Listen, I didn't want to call names. I'm not I'll trying to – call Adam you know, Gase out. He stinks. <laughs> I didn't want to call names here. Okay. But bottom line is Sam Darnold is going to have some coaching competency and we don't know what he's going to look like, but what I think he's going to look like is somebody that's a competent quarterback. He's not a rookie been in the league three, four years. This is his chance to earn his stripes. Literally keep pounding. I think Sam Darnold comes out of the gates blazing And just like I talked about the fact that I thought Jacksonville had a rough schedule, I think the Panthers have a good schedule at the beginning of the season. This team could be, and yes, I am letting my fandom creep in here. I'm absolutely letting my fandom creep in. This team could be 6-0 and by the time we get into week seven. And if that's the case, look out world. The Panthers will probably be leading the division, cruising into a matchup, with the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And I'm not saying they're going to play them week seven. I'm saying if they're undefeated by then, they could very well be leading the division or tied with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Really excited about this Panthers team that has weapons at every skill position, even tight end this year. Don't overlook my boy, Dan Arnold. I know we got Ian Thomas there, but don't don't overlook Dan Arnold. He's going to have his shot at, at a few balls as well. Good supporting cast. The public kind of still sleeps on some of these guys, whether it's because of poor quarterback play in the past, but you know, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, super underrated star. If you give Josh Allen these weapons, do they lose a game? Do they lose a the game? If you give Kyler Murray these weapons, what's the Panthers record, right? I don't know. Uh, this extra week is throwing me off. We have 18 weeks. So where do the Panthers go? 14 and three with those weapons and Josh Allen? Like, that, that's how good the supporting cast is at the skilled positions in Carolina. It, it really is. And you know what? A lot of people say, oh, well, there's so much chalk in week one. Well, it's the biggest week to get ahead of the curve on some of these plays that nobody else, quite frankly, has the balls to pull the trigger on. And Listen, this could be one of them. Sam Donald is 5K. If he goes for 303, we play Houston, I think, next week. If I'm not mistaken, is is it Houston? Is it Houston that we play next week? I think we play Houston next week. He'll be six K or close to it, especially if Trevor Lawrence goes out and puts on a, a an initial rookie performance of the for the ages. And I'm not saying Trevor Lawrence is going to do that. I'm saying if he comes out and has a massive game, Sam Darnold's getting priced up immediately. DJ Moore sixty one, Robbie Anderson fifty seven, Terrace Marshall three K. I mean. I'm going to stack the Panthers every way I can. 5K Sam Darnold in this spot, sign me up. Sign me up. So before we get into games we like, the last elephant in the room I want to talk about is, and this is not a knock on a guy who I like a lot, but Ryan Fitzpatrick, for fantasy purposes, is a huge leg up for fantasy a value for the skill guys on the Washington football team than Alex Smith or Kyle Allen were. So Alex Smith ranked 56th in a dot out of any quarterback that played more than one game last year. 
Guess who ranked 55th? Kyle Allen. Kyle Allen. They had ADOS of 5.17 and 5.55, respectively. That's average depth of target. Fitzpatrick had an ADOT that was pretty much three yards higher than both of them and averaged 70 more air yards per game. My hot take is that Scary Terry leaves the league in receiving yards. I don't know if it's going to be this week, but I think it's possible. I know the Chargers have a decent little secondary, but I like McLaurin in, in many formats for tournaments. I'll be overweight. And, uh, you know, Antonio Gibson, some people are still on the fence about, but if he's able to run between the tackles and, you know, stay healthy, I think for fantasy, I think the Washington football team is going to be very interesting. And I really like McLaurin this week. Um, and just in general, other than Michael Thomas who only played seven games last year, McLaurin had the highest average air yard market share in the NFL. So he demands the football. He's a game changer, a guy who might not be on superstardom yet, maybe not on the national uh, attention you know, level just yet, but he's close. He's close, and he's so young. I like Terry McLaurin, and I like the football team offense for fantasy quite a bit this year, Chief. You got any comments on that before we get going? Listen, we might as well just get into recipes for success because when we get there, Oh, I, I guess I gave away our next segment. Dang it, folks. It's supposed to be a surprise. Bring us into it. Bring us into it. Recipe for success this week. And I mentioned it already. I don't think we have to play these expensive quarterbacks. I don't think we have to play Justin Herbert at 67. I don't think we have to play, you know, Kyler Murray at 7,600. I, I don't think we need those guys this week, Luge. I really don't. And I'm not saying Kyler Murray isn't, a, isn't worth it. I'm saying I think that a $4,400 Mac Jones is very valuable on this slate, right? I'm saying, and I'm not saying I'm going to play Mac Jones. I haven't decided completely on that yet. But I will tell you this. I'm going to have plenty of Sam Darnold. I'm going to have plenty of Ryan Fitzpatrick. Plenty. And I'm also going to have plenty of those offenses. Well, guess who else I'm going to have plenty of? Trevor Lawrence, right? I, I, I think, you know, we, we, I think if we get exposure to these cheap quarterbacks now I, I may hear me out I may have plenty of exposure to Jimmy Garoppolo haven't decided yet I want to see if I'm going to decide whether or not Detroit is actually going to be better on defense I just got to you know figure that out as the week goes on which is why this is the first look, first look podcast here's another elephant in the room the Cleveland Browns are cheap going into Kansas City where it should be an air raid game Baker Mayfield's 5,900 and while I'm not a Baker truther, Odell Beckham is 54, Jarvis Landry is 6K, Austin Hooper is 4K. This offense has got to score some points if they're going to keep up. I, so, so I'm looking at all these cheap quarterbacks, and I'm saying to myself, man, this is interesting. Guess what? Jameis Winston is 5,200. I'm telling you, I don't think you need one expensive quarterback. I play four to six quarterbacks a week. I'm not going to have any quarterback more expensive than Trevor Lawrence this week. And I'm perfectly fine doing that. Mahomes is great. Aaron Rodgers is great. Uh, you know, all these guys are great. Russell Wilson, uh, Josh Allen, they're going to put up the numbers. But the, this, is, this week, there are too many cheap quarterbacks available in really good spots, I think, because it is week one. I think, and I think their complementary pieces on the offense are also too cheap outside of their running backs like McCaffrey or Kamara. Those guys are a little bit more expensive. But all in all, two teams are just too cheap across the board, which is typical. So let's identify the right ones and let's take down this, this Millie right out of the gate. So the recipe for success, we're going to look ahead, give you some games we like as a whole, some teams we like, you know, who's going to score the points. Good game environments. We're going to talk a little bit of strategy. And I'm glad you talked about that Chiefs-Browns game because I've jotted down five games that kind of Maybe scratched my head a little bit that I kind of liked. And I had this Browns-Kansas City game. Just, you talked about some of the pieces in that game. So, Antonio Gibson. I know he doesn't play in that game. I'm looking at our ownership projections. He's the highest projected own running back at 27%. That could change. We have Gibson at 27%, McCaffrey 26%, Alvin Kamara 24%, Dalvin Cook 19%, Austin Eckler 17%, blah, 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 blah. Where the hell is Nick Chubb? I know it's Kansas City. That run defense is still not very good. 
Nick Chubb is projected to come in well below 10% at 7,200. While everybody is going stars and scrubs, it just seems like the algorithms and the projections are saying Nick Chubb is just going to be the forgotten guy. Oh, Dalvin Cook is great. McCaffrey is amazing. We're talking guys at 40-point upside. Nick Chubb has 30-plus point upside at 7,200 in this matchup. That is one of my biggest takeaways. I'll be damned if that ownership climbs throughout the rest of the week. If it does, it does. But you said it's a jam-em-in type of week, and people are going to do that at running back because that's where the hype train is completely off the rails with some of these guys, and rightfully so. Nick Chubb. That is a disrespectful price tag for him in this matchup. He is the catalyst of that Cleveland offense. He might be my favorite tournament play of the slate, Nick Chubb, Chief. I get it. And I, I think you bring up a valid point. I see on this on this particular pod, we're just going to be bouncing things off of each other. It's week one, folks. Just hang in there with us. Have some fun. Have some laughs. I'm going to do the same thing that you're doing, but I'm going to head to a different expensive running back and pull this rabbit out of the hat. Nobody's playing this guy this week for a couple of reasons. I think they think there's going to be a big shift in possibly the way this offense is going. And by virtue of me saying that, you might already know who I'm talking about. But Derrick Henry is still Derrick Henry. And I know we're thinking he's not going to catch the passes, and I get all of that. But who's going to stop Derrick Henry on the Arizona Cardinals? I know Buda Baker's good. And I know he likes to come down and, 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 and make a few big plays and, 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 you know, make a few tackles. Derrick Henry is a man. Did you, did you see him throw, just take Josh Norman and throw him out of bounds? That, that's who this guy is. And so I think because A.J. Brown and Julio Jones are there, that perhaps we're thinking this, there's going to be some paradigm shift in this offense. I still think this is a run-first offense with play action making up the difference for the big plays, right? Here's why I say that. Last year, they had A.J. Brown, they had Corey Davis. Corey Davis had some big games. A.J. Brown had some big games. Very seldom did they both have big games. Now, clearly, I'm not saying Julio Jones is Corey Davis. What I'm saying is this is still a run-first play action team, and I'm going to make them prove it to me otherwise. I think Derrick Henry's in line for a big day. Look at, the, look at the total in this game. 52 total. They're at 27 and a half. And we've got Derrick Henry projected at 7% at 8,800. This guy's got a chance. He's got just as good of a chance to score 30 as any of these other running backs. He just gets it done in a different way. His is more like 120 and two touchdowns. Or 150 and two touchdowns. And he might catch a pass or two. What if he catches a screen and takes one to the house? So, so that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think we're going to overlook Derrick Henry because oh, he didn't catch passes, and I get that. But too, too low. What if, what if Julio Jones falls down the five-yard line three times? We might have to pencil in Derrick Henry for three touchdowns. I know that's highly unlikely. But I, I'm just saying that to, to, to put it together with what you're talking about with Nick Chubb. I think the recipe for success is, just get away from the chalk week one mostly. Like, there are guys that are going to stand out like Christian McCaffrey, right? Okay, yeah, he's playing the Jets 26%. He's 9,500. The, the, the price is going to keep people off of him. Yeah, you need to be playing Dalvin Cook at 9,100 against the Bengals. You absolutely do. But I'm saying overall, we can, we can pick up some of these other guys as well. I, you, you know, and so that, that's kind of where I am really excited, especially with all the 3K and 5K quarterbacks that I'm going to be deploying this week. Uh, I, I think the recipe for success is listen to us, but also think for yourself. My, my, my good friend in the industry that I've never met a day in my life, I've met him through just his tutorials when I first started and when he was at Roto Grandis. JM to win. This is a JM to win quote, something I live by. The best way to be contrarian is to think for yourself. Because what happens is you'll land on the good plays. Contrarian doesn't mean, and see, we're getting the, the recipe for success here. Contrarian doesn't mean that I have to play KJ Osborne, the three K wide receiver from the Minnesota Vikings that may not play, that may not touch the field. Contrarian means whatever my research leads me to, it's probably going to lead me to some chalk. 
but it's probably also going to lead me to some plays that nobody's talking about. And when my research takes me there, I've got to be confident enough to pull the trigger and trust myself. That's what he's trying to say. I think that's what you do this week. Yeah. So when you like a guy and you see he's projected 1%, don't get scared. Be happy about it. That you have to, your, your glass has to be half full. That's, that's where he's at. I like, yeah. I like where your mind's at there. You know, I wrote down five games. I think five, yeah, five games for this segment that I liked as a whole for this recipe for success. We're talking about game environments. One was Houston Jacksonville. We already banged that out of the park. Another was Kansas City and Cleveland. And we pretty much talked about Nick Chubb and the Chiefs are the Chiefs. Yeah. The Titans and the Cardinals. I'm sorry, I only wrote down four. We're my third of four teams. Now, here's the thing. Here's the thing with the Titans. Now, when you're talking strategy and, and paying off price tags, remember the first half of last year when Pete Carroll had a brain and let Russell Wilson cook the entire first half of the year and everything was awesome. It was Lockett one week. It was Metcalf the other week. But before you knew it, Chief, they were both 9K. And you can't, 90% of the times, you can't play two 9K receivers on the same team because both of them probably aren't going to crush and give you tournament winning upside. Now, riddle me this. And this is why the Titans are so very much so in play. Ryan Tannehill is pretty low owned, fair price tag. Julio Jones and AJ Brown are both projected to be fairly low owned. What are the price tags on Julio Jones and AJ Brown, Chief? Because 7,100 and 6,800. Good Lord. Good Lord. They are cheap enough where, dare I say, the Tennessee has a 27 point total. This might not be the, my favorite week to do it. But if Derrick Henry was going to be chalk and it doesn't look like that way, this would be leverage city. But I think Julio and AJ Brown, if you're throwing in a hundred lineups are both cheap enough to potentially play together. There is an outcome where the Titans may, maybe Julio doesn't get tackled the three, three times. Maybe Derrick Henry has 120 yards and no touchdowns. May, you know, maybe the play action, they are cheap enough where you can play them together. I like the Titans stack this week. I, you know, and we know what well, me and you know, but another fairly proven winning correlation in large field stuff is if you don't want to play Tannehill, that's fine. You can play Derrick Henry, who's expensive, and you can play a receiver. A running back receiver from the same team has also proven to be a recipe for success in large field tournament winning lineups. Julio and AJ Brown are both cheap enough that you can play them with Derrick Henry and one of those receivers and Derrick Henry both have great games. The other kicker is because this target tree, the air yards, the volume, everything is going to be so condensed. We we know where the volume is going to go. It's going to go Derrick Henry. It's going to go A.J. Brown. And it's going to go Julio Jones. Much like the Minnesota Vikings, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson, Adam Thielen. Much like the Seattle Seahawks, Tyler Lockett, D.K. Metcalf. That is why these guys are consistent. And oftentimes, a piece of them are in winning lineups because – Although fantasy sports are volatile and unpredictable, the volume is going there. That's where the ball's going. So I think the price tags on those Titans are really interesting. And I think you can have both sides of the coin there, some Derrick Henry and some of those wide receivers as well. But on, you know, I am a Titans fan. And I will say on the flip side, a lot of changes to that defense, they're going to have to prove it because you have Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins in town. That is why I like this game. And Rondell Moore. And I'm Rondell, telling you. And, and gadget guy, Rondell Moore. I'm telling you. I, I, man, Luch, and I, and I know I know, I interrupted you, my man. No, bring it on. Please no. forgive me. But I, I'm, I'm telling you right now, unless A.J. Green has gone to the fountain of youth, and he very well may have, I don't see, I don't see him being a game breaker anymore. Now, I, I could absolutely be wrong. AJ's from my t- the town where I live, went to Somerville High School, which, which is where I live. So, and uh, AJ played basketball, everything. Won a state championship for basketball, football, you name it. Incredible athlete. I'm just saying, I don't know exactly where he is and, and where he's going to be in this offense. So, I'm inclined to say the shiny new toy, Rondell Moore. And look, AJ, AJ Green is only 3,800. So, it's not like he's expensive. If you're stacking up Arizona, you better get some A.J. Green. He could very well have, you know, six catches, 80 yards, and a touchdown. Like, that. that's more than enough to pay off that price tag. I mean, that's, he could be in your tournament winning lineup. But I do think Rondell Moore is going to be electric for this team. One more thing about this game, Chief, which is why I do 
like the Titans, and if you talked about fandom, I've been a fan for a long time. We've had some dark ages, but there's one less preseason game, and many organizations across the league chose to not throw their starters out there for a long period of time, and rightfully so. But you mentioned that fans are back. The Titans are at home. But continuity, yes, Julio Jones, new in town. But a majority of that starting lineup is back. So they're not going to have to deal with the away fans. And although they did lose Arthur Smith to Atlanta, I think they're going to bring in a lot of the same principles. And I think continuity with the shortened preseason and a lot of, a lot of starters not getting real game reps is going to be huge. So if you can find teams that have that continuity with not a ton of personnel changes on offense um, that have been together, I, I think, you know, I think that's a recipe for success home teams with not a lot of change from the previous year. Cause there weren't a lot of real, you know, first team reps for more than a series with a lot of these teams this week, chief. So uh, I think you're going to see the under hit on a lot of totals. Cause that's just, I think that's the way the ball's going to bounce. There's going to be a lot of miscues. A lot of these timing routes are probably it is much different in real game speed. You know, that than practice. Absolutely. Yeah, man. So I'm in, I'm just going to throw this game in there. Cause I know we gotta, we gotta wrap this thing up. My last game is one that has a really projected low total or lower total than these others, but I think it's got potential. The Atlanta Falcons defense was bad last year. It it was bad. The Philadelphia Eagles were were barely any better, in my opinion. I think this Eagles-Falcons game has shootout potential if Jalen Hurts can push the ball down the field just a little bit. I, I, I like Atlanta. I'm not playing Matt Ryan, okay? I told you that. I'm not playing anybody most. The only 6K guy I'm playing this week is Trevor Lawrence. Everybody else is going to be in the 5K range. But we got we got Mike Davis getting his first crack at being the lead back permanently, right? Starting out the season that way. Not having to come in after somebody goes down. You start out the season, 5,400. Calvin Ridley is the guy. Is that going to open it up for Russell Gage? Is that going to open it up for Olamide Zacchaeus? We don't know. We think it will. So you've got Gage. So, so and you look at this game, Devontae Smith. He's the new shiny toy in Philly, 4,500. Jalen Rager, 3,700. This is a good game environment overall. I'm also not playing Jalen Hurts. I talked about that. He was on the fence for me, but I think I can get what I need from the 5K guys. But bottom line, I know this is coming in at 48. What I'm going to do, if you have a sports book in your town, just go ahead and take the over on this game. At 48, I, I, I think we take the over. Um, I, I think this could turn into a 34-31 game real quick. Uh, so that, that's where I am. I, I'm a little scared. I think you hopped into my Google Drive and looked at my note sheet before the show because Atlanta and Philly was the last game I wanted to talk about. You nailed a lot of the points I was going to bring up. Another forgotten name, a lot of uncertainty, a lot of speculation. Uh, is Miles Sanders. It's his job until he loses it for sure. He's healthy. We know there aren't many weeks where you know Miles Sanders is healthy. He's healthy. It's week one. And did you know he was 13th in total opportunity percentage in the National Football League last year? So when he was healthy, he was a major contributor in this offense. If they run a little RPO stuff with Jalen, I think that even helps him out a little bit more that Atlanta defense is not good. We know running backs were able to do some damage, catching ball in the backfield against them historically the last couple of seasons. So Miles Sanders and this game as a whole was on my list. Like you said, Devontae Smith, some of those Eagles skill position guys are really cheap too. Below 4K in the same boat. Quez Watkins was the preseason wonder. What what the hell is his involvement going to be? It's going to be very interesting to see how that develops. Um, and of course, Devontae Smith and, you know, Goddard's there. So I think there's going to be points there as well, for sure. You know, we tried to cover a lot of ground here and mix in some strategy, but anybody else, particularly that we didn't mention in these games that you're looking at, like, I know we mentioned running back and we talked about avoiding chalk and it seems like the most ownership um, is probably going to be a running back in terms of, you know, high percentages, like I mentioned before, Gibson, and McCaffrey and, and Kamara all floating around 25%. We talked about Chubb. We talked about Henry. We talked about James Robinson. So we did give a couple other good plays away. Um, 
And I'm shocked James Robinson, we've got him projected at seven. Like, I'm going to be honest with you. And, and you know, I, I don't know how, how close I want to do this on week one. I'm honestly tempted to hit the James Robinson lock button. Don't, don't get me and, – and I will lock somebody in football and look if it burns me. But I'm tempted. I'm not saying I'm going to. But I legit think James Robinson has 102 in him this week. He goes for 102. He's, he's in the Millie Maker winning lineup. And if I, I've got him at 100%, I've got a chance. I'm not saying I'm going to. I'm saying it's highly likely that he goes for at least 101. If he gets the second touchdown, look out. By the way, Britt Devine wrote a very, very good article about lineup constructions and what historically has been in winning lineups and Millie Makers. And it seems like getting different at one of the running back slots are the way to go. And there are a lot of guys we talked about coming in sub 10%. Raheem Mostert, like what Detroit was atrocious against the run. Yeah, Trey Sermon's eventually going to really cut into his workload. But man, Mostert is is healthy now. You know, has that game-breaking ability against Detroit. Another very interesting name uh, to look out for. On the flip side of that game, I think we need to monitor DeAndre Swift's availability. His uh, status is kind of still in doubt. He missed a lot of camp in the preseason. Um, And Jamal Williams is kind of floating around there. And I don't know how much Jamal Williams is, but I'm going to look it up. But if DeAndre Swift is kind of ruled out ahead of time, I know the Niners are not the best matchup, but I think we'll see Jamal Williams uh, carry some ownership there. Yeah, he's 40. Oh, no, I'm sorry. 4,500. I mean, geez. So there's a ton of value uh, everywhere, and you can pretty much build whatever you want this week um, until the algos start catching up and people start putting some points on the board. So uh, anything else you want to get off your chest, Will Priester? About I'm good, one. man. Week one came in having fun. Let's get it. All right. So if you are not new to our show, you know, GPP food of the day is coming up. We talked about this in the beginning of the pod. We're big foodies and people like to talk about food and everybody goes to bat for their favorite restaurants or whatever they make at home that they think's the best. And just people love talking about food and having a few drinks or whatever it is. You know, what's your favorite local spot, etc. So we like to always highlight something at the end of our show. So I know this was the lead-in marquee show of our Food for Thought podcast series. So what is the GPP food of the week, I guess, Will Priester? What do you got yeah. in mind? I know you got something for us. Yeah, what I'm going to go with, man, is first of all, I've talked about this before, but because it's week one, we're going to go and revisit this thing. Wings galore on Sunday. They will be at the crib. Uh, I've already, you know, told the fam, hey, I don't care what's going on Sunday. Wings have to be here. I will be in front of the television watching my Carolina Panthers take care of business against the New York Jets. Secondly, I found something very interesting that I like, and this is a national chain, but Marco's Pizza has something called a pizza bowl. And guess what? What it is, is the toppings of the pizza baked by themselves. No crust, just cheeses and sauces. And I had a Philly cheesesteak one and a buffalo chicken one. My gosh, what a good party in my mouth that was. Marco's Pizza, pizza bowl, but not how you think about it. What, what a great way to kick off a Sunday. Oh, you got to get the wings, man. You got to get the wings. So obviously Buffalo wings were, as legend has it, were invented in Buffalo. And a couple of weeks ago, I was in upstate New York. I was in the Watkins Glen area, which is a couple hours from Buffalo, but you're close. You're close. And I went into the Divest Dive local bar, like, where am I going for beer and some bar food? And I, I stumbled upon uh, two places. They both have phenomenal wings. So the closer you go to Buffalo, the better the wings are. And I'm convinced. Did you know they used to throw the wings out when they, when before they started be, becoming a thing, they would just get rid of the, the parts of the chicken. They would just get rid of them. Like what a freaking travesty. To, and now oh, it's true American story where the wings are now in the hierarchy of food is just phenomenal from, from nothing from rags to riches. Wings are the ultimate football Sunday food. And I will be getting 10 hot, 10 hot and honey 
for 20 total with some blue cheese and celery on the side and maybe a growler from this place down the street called Saucony Creek Brewery here in the middle of nowhere, Pennsylvania. And we are going to get it on and we're going to make some money this week. So what is your favorite wing flavor, Chief? And can you decide? I mean, that's a tough question. Honestly, it's oven baked from Domino's Pizza. But but my favorite my favorite is Buffalo. But oven baked from Domino's, man, my gosh. Did I, is that a wing flavor that asked, did I ask you pizza? Oven baked wings? Yes. From Domino's. I never had Domino's wings. Okay. Oven baked. They're incredible. Man, I might have to. Incredible. I'm going to, I'm going to tag you on Twitter Sunday. And speaking of Twitter, where can the people find you? And what kind of content are you putting out? What kind of shows are you going to be on for NFL coming up this week? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Chief Justice 06. Hit me up anytime. Questions. I, I try to answer all the questions. I know I can't get all of them, but please hit me up anytime, man. I'm happy to help in any way that I can. Absolutely. Look me up on Twitter at the J Carlucci. Uh, Chief, I'll be on Sunday night showdown with Keith. And I'll also be on Crunch Time on Sunday uh, before lock as well with a couple of great co-hosts, too. Um, you're on a Showdown show, too, right? I'll be on Showdown Monday. We've got the Food for Thought First Look NFL podcast Tuesday. I'll be on the Blitz with my good friends Alex Dunlap and Derek Cardi on Saturday. And then whatever else happens in between, I'm going to go ahead and put it out there right now. Prize Picks video for sure this week is going to be NFL uh, I love me some MLB, uh, but come on. I, I got to give you something for NFL this week. Stay tuned. It'll be out tomorrow. Can't wait. Awesome week. Tweet at us. DM us. We want to hear your reactions after week one so we could talk about them. We want to hear your favorite food spots locally and what are you eating on game day? You know, do you have a ritual? What do you do every Sunday? Where do you go? What do you have? And if we want your questions, bring them on and we'll answer as many as we can on the show. But that's it. Week one is coming up. We can't wait here. Check out rotogrinders.com and lineup HQ for the chief Will Priester and the rest of the Roto Grinders team. I'm Justin Carlucci. Have a great week one.